You're tuned into Sip of Tea for your dosage of positivity, motivation, and success. On this episode 19 of Sip of Tea, we're going to be talking about strikes, closures, and coronavirus. But before I let you continue, I must let you know two things. First of all, it's been about a week since I actually recorded this episode. And since then, there's actually been a tentative agreement that has been put in place. However, the details of the agreement is not yet going to be released to the public until the teachers have actually ratified that agreement. Although there has been a tentative agreement put in place, I still do believe you should familiarize yourself with the things that are happening and with the facts that are surrounding the strike. Because it's only one organization, it's only one union that has actually put together this tentative agreement. It's only the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, but that doesn't include the Catholic School Board, that does not include the Secondary School Board, and I'm not sure if there are any other school boards that are also affected by this as well. And I know that as of right now, it's not a big issue or concern as we are in quarantine, and as schools continue to be closed, it's still important that we get to know what's happening because the issue is still yet to be fully resolved. Secondly, I will not actually be speaking in depth about the effects or my thoughts about COVID-19 in this episode directly. However, as a result of not doing it now, I will be doing a very special episode this Thursday, opposed to making you all wait two more weeks. I said I'll give you the tea now. All right, back into episode 19. Today I have with me two of my older sisters who are actually educators with the Toronto District School Board. It's actually great that they are here with me in International Women's Month because these two sisters pretty much are the reason why I am this educated young black woman that I am today because they have a really always taught me that education is the greatest equalizer and it's going to be twice as hard for me because I am a black woman which means opportunities are not just going to be given to me so I do have to work to earn it. And if you've been following social media I have been shouting out other women but I wanted to give them their own personal shout out here today on the show. So thank you so much Sister Sandra and Sister Annie for joining us. So before we jump on into the burning questions that you guys gave me that you want answers to. And before we jump into even the background of the strike, I want my sisters to kind of tell you a little bit about themselves. Oh, yes, I can go first. So as Tiana says, I'm her older sister. My name is Sandra Thomas Costello, and I've been with the Toronto District School Board for 30 years. I recently retired last June, but continue to do some supply work. I was a teacher, a special education consultant, vice principal, and then retired as a principal. Which is amazing. 
and Sister Annie. Hello, I'm Anne-Marie Thomas-Giello and I'm a social worker with the Toronto District School Board. I have been in the department for 21 years under the PSSP umbrella, the Professional Student Services Department. My job is to work with a number of schools, supporting students to achieve the best success that they can. That is wonderful. And I know you guys have done work in many lives, not only just lives of students, but also other educators. You guys have been able to impact and influence them and leave your mark. And I do think we need a lot more teachers. And I know you guys can agree with me. We need educators that are really investing in the lives of students that are pouring substance into our youth. So thank you both for assisting many other educators in following in your footsteps. You're welcome. Yes. Okay, let's jump into the meat and bones. So I believe Sister Sandra did some research for us because I don't like to provide falsified information, hence why I even brought them on. I personally believe that the strike is something we need to speak about and we cannot truly support our students, parents, and educators without knowing all of the facts. And with what's happening with the coronavirus, we can clearly see that the media does control the masses. And as a media personnel myself, I would like to show you guys things from a different perspective. So please, enlighten us. What is the strike really about? What are the teachers fighting for? So I'm gonna just talk from the perspective as an administrator. Okay. So as the labor negotiations continue with the teachers, the Ontario Public School principals and vice principals are concerned about the impact that this situation is having on our schools and on our students. As educators, we want to signal our support to the Minister of Education of some of the issues that are being discussed at the table. The first one is class size. There is no one number that ensures what the perfect class size should be. Uh, class size needs are varied based on age, program, grade, and pathways and learning needs of our students as well as the facilities available. Okay. So we want to encourage uh, lower class size because we know that that's the optimum for learning especially when you're dealing with students who are in elementary and middle school who have not really developed independent learning skills so you can't really have them teach themselves what you're showing on the board right exactly so we do support the availability of the promotion of e-learning which is at the secondary school for students but we only do so on a voluntary basis while this is one method of education or instruction, it has proven to be inappropriate for some students, particularly those with special education or other learning needs. Access to re reliable internet service is not always available in all parts of this province. It would place students who do not have such access at a huge disadvantage if they are unable to complete their work with consistency effectively. I completely agree with you. We also support full day kindergarten. That should remain in place for the benefit of our youngest learners with appropriate staffing for our students. The consensus among experts is that early education has the greatest impact on student success. And many countries in Europe have uh, high success rates of their students because they have full day kindergarten and they even start at an earlier age than we do. Like uh, Jamaica, when I was starting school and I came to this country, if you didn't know, I came to Canada at four and when I came here, my sisters came looking for me in my kindergarten class and I was not with the other students playing with blocks. I was reading because I was a little bit more advanced than your average Canadian student. I remember that day well. <laughs> 
We also support the notion that students are most successful when the appropriate number of teachers and support staffs are available in our schools. A decreasing staffing level negatively impact the learning outcomes for our students and the safety of our schools. At a time when violence in schools is on the rise, a decrease in support is inadvisable. So the, sm the smaller the class size, the better it is for our students. And we also need to have more resources in our schools to support our students. That's true. And I liked what you said, because it kind of went back to what I said about the educators who are providing substance to these students. As you said, violence and other issues are at a high or they are on the incline and it's this is not the time to be necessarily taking away you spend how many days a week and how many hours with these students you have much more of an impact i believe on these students than they will be getting some of them don't get that support at home and now you are taking away that one source that one potential source for that child to have a better future for themselves and I would agree with you from a mental health perspective mm -hmm. as a social worker in the system. We see an increase of students coming in from war-torn countries, mm -hmm. dealing with trauma, new immigrants. I forgot about that. And uh, cutting back on all of those services, cutting back on your social workers, your psychologists, your speech and language therapists, your occupational therapists, certainly impacts students as well. And I don't think to realize that the strike is not just necessarily necessarily about teachers but mm -hmm. that there are also a number of other professions that are included impacted. Yeah. and impacted as well in terms of providing supports to students. That's so true and that kind of made me think about uh, I think the previous strike that was happening prior that had I'm not sure do not mark me by my words I believe this had to do with um, the cuts that had to do with special education now I think that was already resolved cut, oh, making those cuts for spec the autism yes, ASD. The, uh, yeah. yeah so I know that yeah. was already a very very big cut that occurred as a result of the previous strike and I think this is why teachers are also making sure they put their foot down for this one because it starts with one thing that they cut and it becomes much more easier for them to continue to cut 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 and before you know it you're in a system that is not really for the students and a system that is designing people to fail at a very young age and if I could just mention the other impact uh, with the students who have autism is that if there is no funding for them, then they return to the classrooms and they require specialized training that teachers don't have. And we have seen the negative impact this will have on in the classroom for not just the student with autism, but the other students in the classroom because the teacher is now left to support this child who has autism, who needs the support. So I applaud the parents for advocating for the resources for their children. Also, again, this has an impact um, in terms of the fundings for the school. The government is planning to reduce the funding by 200 million over the next four years. Uh, such a significant decrease would have a devastating impact on the system, negatively impacting our world-class education system that consistently ranks among the top in the world. Uh, this is not good for students and uh, it should not proceed. So we understand why the teachers are out on strike because mm -hmm. the issues are great and they need to be resolved soon. Sure. Um, there is one more issue that is at the forefront that has impacted myself as an administrator and that is <laughs> Regulation 274. And you may have heard a lot about this in the media. 
Regulation 274 is the hiring practices. Since 2012, with this regulation, we would have to offer interviews to the top five teachers that have seniority. This is a great challenge to us. Interviews and hiring decisions must be made from among the, as I said, the top five applicants with the most seniority and acquired academic qualifications. For people listening who don't know what seniority is, that's pretty much how long you have been with the company. So they're not necessarily, well, company, but the school board. It applies to work um, and other businesses as well. But ideally what that is saying is it's not necessarily the best qualified teachers who are getting the job. It's who's been there the longest. My best friend is an EC. And I can attest to the fact that the younger people coming in have a lot more relatability to the needs of the students, which I think would also leave a greater impact. I'm not saying anything regarding the teachers who have been within the field because they obviously have the experience and the expertise that is needed. But in regards to the fact that you need a good blend and a good mixture of educators in order to properly influence that life, the fact that they're only going to be giving these jobs to the people who have been working the longest, who are not necessarily fresh on what it takes to impact and and elevate students learning at this day and age with the technology that we're living in and other things might not be the greatest. I'm so sorry to cut you, but please continue. And you're right. So the most senior applicants may have the qualifications on paper Mm -hmm. for a particular subject or grade, but not necessarily the skills necessary to teach the class. The other issue is that new teachers from the college who have just graduated cannot be considered for permanent teaching positions, Mm -hmm. even when they are the best candidate to meet the the students and the needs of the school. Although I'm an elementary administrator at the secondary level, experienced secondary school teachers transferring from one board to another cannot be considered for a permanent position until they have spent months on the occasional teachers list or as a long-term occasional teacher, which is not fair because they may have lived in Barrie and have moved to Toronto. Mm -hmm. In Barrie, they had a permanent job. They came to Toronto. Now they have to to start the process all over because they're not, because it's a different board. So they're not going to be high up there on the seniority. Mm -hmm. And they may have been teaching for 20 years in Barrie. So these are some of the issues that um, the unions and the the boards, the ministry are having challenges with. Um, They're valid issues that needs to be rectified. I can clearly state that the Regulation 274 needs to be changed because I have had to interview people who've been on the seniority list for 10 years or the occasional roster for 10 years and because they have the top seniority we have to interview them first but clearly you can see that they will have challenges teaching the the younger kids. They may be more suitable for the secondary panel but because they've applied and they're on the, the elementary list and they have the top five seniorities, then they have to be considered. You know, So that's kind of difficult when you know that we want the best person for the job. We're not saying that they're not the best person, but we also know that sometimes they are not the best qualified person to obtain the job. You know, We also want to have teachers that are part of the demographics of the particular school. So that's also a challenge in itself. Oh, yeah, for sure. So what you actually just said brought me to my first question regarding job security. So, 
I have a friend. Um, hi, Jade. Thank you for listening. One of my childhood friends, and she actually thankfully was placed within her field. She went to Brock with me. She did her degree program and then went on to do a partial program with Con Ed as well. And she was hired, praise be to God. However, a lot of other people might not have that luck. So one of the questions from one of my other friends was, would you recommend people getting into the education field? I mean, for Jade, it was five years that she had to do school for it because she had a bridge program, but some people have to go do an undergraduate degree and then go to teacher's college. I'm not sure the exact process, but from your own point of view, would you recommend getting into teaching at this current point in time or maybe deviating from your plan and revisiting at a later date? That's a very good question. I mean, I think we always want to have a fresh pool of educators. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't necessarily deter um, students from wanting to go into education, mm -hmm. but I'd also want them to think if that's what they want to do. If they truly want to be an educator or if it's just something they think would be a good job for summers off or perks, you have to have a passion. It's not as easy right now, but I also believe that the tides turn. So eventually they will go in. Like when I first started at the board 21 years ago, there was an influx of teachers because there was a shortage of teachers. And now the field has been a bit saturated, but I think, you know, the pendulum swings, right? So we'll go back to a point where we will need teachers. And I agree with that. The other area too is in the area of French. We're always in need of excellent French teachers. One of the ways to secure a job is if you have a passion for teaching and you have a passion for French, I highly recommend people to consider that field. Also instrumental music and strings are areas that we don't have enough teachers to teach those subjects. So if you have a passion for music, you would like to go into that field, that would be awesome because we're always looking for uh, for, yes, in those areas. And also the primary division, we don't have a lot of male teachers and we would like some male teachers to be role models for our young boys. So that's another consideration. So, you know, we do look at these areas as well that uh, we're looking, always looking for teachers, male teachers, French teachers, music teachers, teachers in that have a passion in the area of autism, because that's an area that's in uh, great need right now. Thank you. So ideally, you wouldn't say to allow what's happening now to deter you from proceeding something that you are passionate about. Definitely not. Absolutely not. I definitely think you should do things in life that you're passionate about and things that make you happy. And everything that you do in life is going to sometimes come with a downfall or a down period. It is a part of life's roller coaster and you cannot predict it and you shouldn't live in fear of what could happen. You should be open to knowing that there will be eventually be a resolution and things will get better and people are advocating with you and you have a team so far this is actually going really well <laughs> thank you guys again so much for coming and being here this is actually fun i'm actually home this weekend um and i'm and i'm loving my weekend home who knows i might move back to brampton <laughs> okay so the next question that we have here, and I think you briefly touched on a little bit, we didn't really get into the monetary issues um, that are occurring. So I have a friend that wants to know, is this a money cutting 
Or is it a budget cut too? I think it is a, a budget cut. I know that perception sometimes is that teachers are striking over the 1%. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it, technically, teachers have lost more than 2 to 3% of their salary. So the 1% that Premier Ford has legislated for all government workers, we've already lost that over our three years. So we are not striking over 1%. We are striking over the future of education. Very impactful. Well said. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, I, I have some goosebumps right now. I, I, I think that is true because from what I can hear so far, from what I can personally understand and the issues that have been presented, they are very much so to ensure that the students have great learning experiences. So I do understand where this need is coming from and why it's so important. And, and hearing you say that it's not just about 1% because technically you've already lost 2 to 3% makes a lot of sense because if you've already lost that amount, what 1% is impactful overall in your pay scale, but you've already lost double that, triple that prior. So what are you scared of for one more? Um, so my last and final question that I have for you, as we know due to the recent coronavirus scare, I'm not talking to my sisters about coronavirus, by the way. I do not want to implicate them in any way, shape, or form. So stay tuned. I will be talking about coronavirus, just not at this particular moment. So my last question is how do you think that this closure is now going to impact these students? I know it's not as a result of the strike. However, strikes had happened previously and they were talking about children missing so much school. Previously, now they are away on one week March break and two week quarantine for students because everything's closed. So do you think that they're going to make them redo school year by chance or a certain portion? Like, If you were in the government shoes, what would you do to fix this? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. I think if you look at the work stoppage uh, plus March break plus the next two weeks that we are out it, it is a significant impact on on learning um, I know that educators are very concerned they have been very concerned about um, the, the stoppages prior mm -hmm. to March break not sure what the premier's office is going to do about this we do have a curriculum that needs to be completed, completed. I'm not, not sure, sure how, how this is going to happen, <laughs> especially with the next two weeks. Two weeks yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not only like it's just the local high schools and elementaries. You have to remember that universities are also closed as well. You guys still have, we're in March, so you have April, May, and June. You have three more months. Technically, some students, if you never had exams scheduled or physical exams scheduled, you're in your last couple of weeks of university. Final assignments that take up 45%, exams that should have been occurring. I really don't know what they're going to do, but I guess we'll all have to wait and see. And bottom line is though, the safety and well-being of all our students and staff mm -hmm. and their family is most important. So this was a decision by the minister in consultation with our chief medical officer. And so we just have to go with, with that. But as I said, bottom line, uh, safety first. And we want to ensure the uh, wellness and, and safety of all stakeholders. Wonderful. That is great. Thank you guys both so much for joining me in a sip of tea. I never really thought that they were going to be on air ever, but I'm happy that you guys came out 
and 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 thank you so much for also supporting sip of tea it's very hard to get um sometimes your family or you know i, I look at them like my moms to listen and support things that you're doing sometimes but i really appreciate the fact that you guys actually listen i know sandra always says oh i liked what you said the last podcast she told me i was along the lines of someone else who was on national television and i felt very empowered and influential in that moment so thank you because i honestly don't just do this to talk to everyone i do this so we can have these conversations together because we need to go out there and speak about these things and not allow them to just be closed off in a textbook with dust on it that students might not ever read well thank you lady t we are very proud of you for informing the community so thank you for having us on on this episode of sip of tea oh thank you yes thank you all right now that's all for this sip of tea. I hope you enjoyed. And if you liked this podcast, be sure to follow me, be sure to subscribe to me, and be sure to check out the other episodes because there's more tea where this one came from. This is your girl, Lady T, and I'm tuning out.